From Paris Hilton to the movie Babe, micropigs swept the world as a cute phenomenon. This week on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, we ask, are micropigs real? In the shower with Taz and Marcus, 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 in the shower with Taz and Marcus. Hello and welcome to In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, a bite-sized informative podcast designed to be listening to the shower, but really you can listen to it wherever you want. The whole point of this podcast is listeners send in the questions they have always wondered the answer to and we do our best to debunk them in a bite-sized informative chunk. Have you ever wondered how much wood a woodchuck would chuck if a woodchuck did indeed chuck wood? Or why we cross our fingers for good luck? Or why we carve pumpkins at Halloween? Or if water has a taste? If you've wondered any of these or any of the other questions we've answered, and there are a lot of them, step into the shower with us. This week on In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, we tackle another good one sent in from listener Brad Caldwell. Brad Caldwell. Well, this one's for Brad, and he asks, "Are micro pigs real?" In the shower with Taz and Marcus. 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 So this week's question comes from Brad Caldwell, who lives near Kamloops in British Columbia, Canada. And Brad, just like I, has a pet pig. You you don't have a pet pig. Oh, you mean me, don't you? <laughs> you're my Oi. pet piggy. You're my pet piggy, <laughs> but you're definitely not micro. What's the, what's the opposite of a micro pig? Like a mega pig. That sounds like a superhero or something that like, you know, you know remember when like there was all the Godzilla versus someone movies? That'd be amazing, like Godzilla versus Mega Pig. What would Mega Pig super superpowers be? Oh, like um, I don't know. Like pigs generally, as an animal, are pretty smart. So Mega Pig could be a genius, and in fact, like you know, he could be so mega that his power could be regeneration, and he could solve world hunger because people could just nibble him, and he'd be so mega. So his his a, a me- Mega Pig superpower is just being a hyper genius. Or. Ah, uh, Marcus, you can do better with that. You can do better with that. Uh, no, like Mega Pig, like he's so big that he doesn't need to fly. He, he could can send just... radioactive oinks. Like all he does is oink, 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 and it just spreads like like a like a sound wave across. Well, he's mega, so it does anyway. Yeah, this is true. I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a bit of a grim episode. It's a very grim episode, but the answer is quite short, so we'll be sure to end the episode on some niceness. Okay. Well, first, um, the. The not nicest, the grand expose, the truth about micro pigs. I feel like I should edit in like uh, newsreel music here. Dun, 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 dun. The truth about micro pigs. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Hello, it's Taz Kelleher reporting for duty on the truth about micro pigs. I know. Okay, so let's kick it off. Since about 1998, the number of micro pigs, a kind of a catch all term that characterizes just about any small bred pig in the United States and Canada, has alone risen from about 200,000 to perhaps as many as a million. A million. A million micro pigs. Oh, wow. For a while, a mini pig was the must-have accessory, but we kind of have to ask ourselves, you know, where they came from. Knowing that they didn't exist 50 years ago, there's obviously something funky going on. That's, yeah, actually, when you think about it, like, I've never seen just a a tiny pig running around. Like, that's, I always thought that maybe, that like, yeah, anyway, it's just like, where where did it all begin? Like, you said they were the must-have accessory. Like, where or when was the first micro pig actually bred? 
Okay, so for this episode, we're going to be talking about the US market because there's a lot more information about micro-pig breeding there than anywhere else in Europe. Like, believe it or not, there's not huge facts and figures and findings on micro-pig industry in Ireland. Really? But, uh, okay, yeah. it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> the National Geographic did a profile investigation on micro-pigs and a lot of the information that we're going to use in this episode comes from there. National Geographic is an amazing magazine. It genuinely is so, so good. My granny has a subscription to it. She's 98 and lives in France. And there, and she's had a subscription for, I'd say, 40, 50 years. And there are hundreds of these magazines. And I remember reading them as a kid. Basically, anything I know about nature comes from National Geographic. Honestly, I'd say at least 20% of the info that we get for In the Shower comes from National it's Geographic. It's absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, yeah. anyway so yeah, National Geographic is kind of where a lot of this information came from. The novelty of petite pigs in the US began in 1986 when a few dozen Vietnamese pot-bellied pigs were imported to American zoos. Private breeders kind of took notice of this and began to breed or inbreed and underfeed their potbelly pigs and other small line breeds such as New Zealand's Quin Quin Quin? Kune Kune, I'd say. Kune Kune. Kune Kun Kun. Kune Kune Kun Kun. New Zealand's Kune Kune and the state of Georgia's Spanish descended Osaba Island pigs. So basically, novelty. Basically, a few Vietnamese pot-bellied pigs were imported to American zoos and the likelihood was that they were actually just piglets and they weren't fully grown pigs yet. But private breeders took notice of the huge amounts of people that were coming to see these tiny little piglets and thought, hmm, this is a way that we can kind of make money and, yeah, kind of cashed in on that market. So, obviously, like, you know, the the, the pot-bellied pigs and the kune-kune and the Osaba Island pigs were all pretty small, but, like, how small were the interbred pigs that they produced. So these strategies produced pigs that were much smaller than, say, a thousand pound farm pig. pigs can get really big. They can get massive, Like, yeah. when you think about, like, a thousand pounds, that's 455 kilograms. Yeah, it's, that's, it's insane. It's enormous. Like, enormous. four of me. Yeah, so they're, they, they were much smaller than those pigs, but they were never the size of a chihuahua, as some breeders kind of promised, and their weight is impossible to predict. Until now, the mini pig trade in North America, and to the lesser kind of extent Europe, has been very hazy, very unregulated, and there are few, if any, rules. Do you know what? I've, I've read a lot of stories about people taking home micro pigs only to realise that they're actually just regular pigs and they just keep growing. And, they, you know, they end up having a 455-kilo farm pig living in their living in their apartment. Well, that, like, that's exactly it. So pig rescuers are fielding calls daily from panicked new pig parents. Pig parents? <laughs> pig parents. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's the term. Pig parents. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Pig rescuers are getting loads of calls from these pig parents who expected a tiny, perfect little teacup piggy pet and now a few months later have a 20 or 30 pound eating machine running around eating their drywall and rooting up carpets. To be honest, it just sounds like having a child. Like when I was a child, I'd always eat the drywall. <laughs> that explains a lot. Fair. Imagine uh, ringing the hospital a few months after your child is born and giving out that it's it's not this squishy little bundle of joy anymore and it's turning into... A demon. I'm pretty sure that's what you would do. That I would do. That you would do. I think as soon as like 
it stopped being a cute little baby and it started being you like... You think I'd give my own child back, Marcus? Listen, that's, just... that's, that's what you're telling our listeners, that you think I'm the type of person <laughs> that would give my own child back to the hospital. Oh, uh, have you ever seen Can Harry... Can I give you back? Have you ever seen Harry, Harry Potter when Hagrid's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't know. <laughs> that's literally me right now. Anyway. Anyway, um... anyway, anyway. People are weird, Marcus. But yes, what some breeders fail to disclose is that pigs grow for the first three to four years of their lives. And the fact that pigs are sexually active at three to six months is a great advantage to those who want to breed them. They can point to any tiny perfect parents, no more than babies themselves, and say, well, look how tiny these parents are. Ah, so basically they're taking these pigs that might only be like, yeah, six months old, so it's still essentially a piglet. Exactly. But it, it is perfectly capable of producing another tiny piglet. So like you can look at this batch of tiny, tiny, tiny piglets and point at the other piglets who gave birth to those piglets yeah. and go, oh, that's the parent fully grown yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. going to get bigger. That is devious. Yeah, I know. That is so snaky. And I also don't think that I've said the word piglet more in in a higher concentration in a sentence. <laughs> piglet, in, piglet. Piglet, 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 piglet. Piglet parents, piglets who came from the piglet parents themselves are only piglets. But yeah, that's, that's crazy. Like, surely there's a huge issue with giving pigs, like, back to where you got them or like back to sanctuaries or anything like that like you know people who could accommodate a tiny pig you know even if it doesn't you know they didn't do their research because because they're bad pig parents <laughs> <laughs> but like you know if you're living in a small house or you you don't have you don't have a suitable area or anything like that it means you, you probably couldn't house a giant a giant hog Unfortunately, that's the issue. The huge rise in the popularity of micropigs has put a massive strain on sanctuaries. Rich Hoyle, a 20-year sanctuary veteran who founded the Pig Preserve in Jamestown, Tennessee, claims that these poor inbred and half-starved pigs are inundating sanctuaries. Probably 90% of the so-called micropigs will either be dead or in a sanctuary before they reach two years old. Oh, wow, that did get grim, didn't it? Yeah. I know. 90% is absolutely insane. That's tragic. I know, I know. But fortunately, there are more sanctuaries than ever to receive them. The American Sanctuary Association now accredits 37 such places in the United States and estimates there are a few more hundred, about 20 long-running sanctuaries that rescue only pigs. And what are the figures looking like now in terms of micro-pigs? Are the numbers still growing or...? The, the numbers of micropigs are still growing hugely, unfortunately. At Arizona's Ironwood Pig Sanctuary alone, which is just one tiny sanctuary, yeah. its number of rescued pigs grew from 329 in 2005 to nearly 600 today. That's just one sanctuary. Oh, my days. Nearly doubling, yeah. So how are these being funded? Um, obviously, like, you know, sanctuaries can't run for free. Well, that's one positive, um, is the huge amount of support coming from the public in funding these sanctuaries. One couple adopted a micro pig for it to grow into a massive oinker like so many others, and they had to relocate and change their whole lives to accommodate this pig. But in the process, they set up a pig sanctuary called Happily Ever Esther, because Esther was the name of the pig, once a micro pig and then turned into a proper pig. And uh, the campaign was very much crowdfunded for contributing to Esther's home. The 4,461 online donors received an assortment of goodies, including a piece of Esther's blanket, a video chat with the pig herself. Wait, 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 wait. And an apple tree. Before you say anything, a video chat... With the pig itself. And and an <laughs> apple tree planted in their name. The apples were going to be used to feed the animals. Oh my God, a video chat with a pig. That is incredible. That is like, 
do you know what? That is not the best perk. It's the best pork. Uh, uh. Imagine you you were a secret funder of this website and you were having your online video chat moment with Esther and like your partner or housemate or mother comes in to you to, to you sitting at a computer fucking video skyping a pig. Like, oh, I can explain it to someone it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> video chat with a pig. Oh my god. Whew. I actually want to donate. I want to donate to Happily Ever Esther so that I can Skype a pig. Anyway, going forward, um, what is the plan with everything that's happening with the micro pigs? So the kind of the kind of plan going forward for the micro pig epidemic. Yeah. So as the mini pig problem wears on, new sanctuaries continue to open, but not quickly enough. Virtually all of the existing ones are already at or exceeding capacity. But one of the sanctuaries founders say that part of the problem is generational, and he says that. We know that there are not too many young people coming behind us who will be crazy enough to step into their shoes. So, you know, like, all we can really hope is that people stop jumping on the bandwagon and realise that micropigs don't stay micro forever. And a lot of time, you know, if they're being sold as micropig, chances are they haven't come from a very nice place. They're, like, inbred and underfed and their parents weren't even, even like, adult pigs themselves. So, you know, as the saying goes, all piggies are good piggies. This little piggy went to the market. This little piggy went home. This little piggy was... had, roast, had roast beef. Did the piggy have roast beef? Yeah, in the in the round, the piggy had roast beef. Oh. Yeah, just mad. Well, that is a bit mad, isn't it? But pigs will eat anything. Pigs will eat anything. Anyway, anyway, so. anyway, anyway. So, so that is your answer. Micro pigs do and don't kind of exist, but we said we would end on a nice note. So, pig facts. Pig facts. Oh yes. <laughs> Give me your best hunk. <laughs> I can oh. actually do a good... <laughs> oh, lovely. I think that's the most accurate oink. Like, everyone goes like... <laughs> and that's like... That just sounds like any any animal snoring. If you go like... <laughs> oh, God, that hurt my throat a bit, but... <laughs> oh, I suffer, Whoa, suffer the, for our the, art. The dedication you're showing to to letting our listeners pig hear... Facts. Okay, pig facts. Pig, pig facts. facts. Okay, so... Pigs are the brains of the barnyard. Winston Churchill once said, I am fond of pigs. Dogs look up to us, cats look down on us, but pigs treat us as equals. In all of nature, they rank third behind apes and dolphins in terms of intelligence, and they are the quickest animals to learn a new routine or a new trick. Really? Mm-hmm. So you can teach pigs to, like, roll over and fetch and everything? Yeah. Whoa! Oh my god, they're so smart. That's amazing. So, another one? Yeah, go on. Pigs, unlike Marcus... Wait, hang on, where's this going? Keep the room clean. Oi. <laughs> so when when you say my room looks like a pigsty, really, that's very inaccurate. Very inaccurate. So, yeah, so like when your mom gives out to you and says that your room looks like a pigsty, it's actually, in fact, a compliment of anything. Because pigs are naturally a clean and organised farmyard animal. They, okay. they only roll in mud to cool off, but they also self-potty train in a barn or in nature. Dunging patterns have been studied by yeah. scientists. Dunging patterns. Yes, there is, there is people who study... Pig poo. Right. Pig poo. Piglet poo and pig poo. And uh, and as more and more farms transition to open pen gestation, we see that pigs establish a community toilet for the group. So they actually all poop in the same spot. That is incredible. Isn't it? So they're actually very, very clean. Yeah. Okay. One more? Yeah, go on. Give me one final pig fact. 
On the uninhabited Baham Island of Big Major Cay, a population of wild aquatic swine rule the island and many have taken to swimming onto the boats offshore in the hope of being rewarded with a tasty snack. Hang on, you're telling me that there's like, there are water pigs. That rule an island. That rule an island that are swimming around willy-nilly, swimming out to boats, hoping that they're going to get a bit of a, of an, a Nutri-Grain or a snack or a bit of a, bit of a croissant. Are you just hoping that they're they're open to applications? No, like honestly, I, I want to go to this place. I want to go and like check out this place. It sounds unbelievable. Aquatic pigs. Yeah. In the shower with Tazamarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazamarcus. Well there you have it, Brad Caldwell from Kamloops. We we this is a great expose on the the horrors of the micro pig industry. And you actually sent us a picture of your pig, which looks like a very hefty barnyard pig. We'll put that on the um, on the In The Shower Instagram um, so that people can see what a real pig looks like. What a real pig looks like. Real pigs have curves. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for sending in that question. And thank you so much, guys, for listening to this episode of In The Shower with Taz and Marcus. If you liked this, then good news. There are so many other episodes for you to check out answering the weirdest and wackiest questions that are out there sent in by our lovely listeners. If you have a question and you want to get in touch, it couldn't be easier. Um, get in touch with us on Instagram or Twitter, just at In The Shower Pod. Or on Facebook, just search for In The Shower with Taz and Marcus and send us a question or a message or a picture of your dog or just a hello. If you want to get in touch with us via email, then get in touch at intheshowerpodcast at gmail.com. Like Marcus said, if you have a question, that's brilliant. If you just want to say hello, that's brilliant. The biggest thing you can do to help us is tell your friends and family about what we do if you like what we do. If you have friends who like podcasts or if you're in a podcast group or anything like that, please tell them about In The Shower With Taz and Marcus because it would really help these two little Irish leprechauns expand uh, to global shower domination. Explore, explore the aquatic seas of the swine. (laughs) (laughs) A few thank yous to wrap up the episode. A big thank you to Alan and Paddy and all the crew and Headstuff Podcast Network. Thank you, guys. Next up, thank you so much, Flo Robinson, for our cover art of little cartoon Marks and I having a little shower. (laughs) (laughs) A big thank you to Dave Gertzman. Um, You can get him on Instagram at Dave's Recordorama. He created our two theme songs. Dave, you are a musical genius. You're like the prince of podcast theme songs. Ooh, big statement, but Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Next week's question, Marcus. I am so excited for next week's question. Genuinely, I am into it. Marcus said that he wanted it. When Marcus said he wanted to take this question sent in by Daruk, who was the host of podcast Mother Folklore, I uh, I thought it was a bit of a wacky one, but he's excited, so I'm going to let him run with it. Next week's question is, why do sandwiches taste better when they're cut diagonally? That episode is going to be out next Monday in time for your morning shower. But in the meantime, keep scrubbing. In the shower with Tazamarcus, 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 in the shower with Tazamarcus. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.